happy today, brother. This is the day that the, the Lord, Lord has made. made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. You know, guys, we've been, if you're joining us for the first time today or you're listening to this by way of a podcast or uh, off the Internet or a CD that someone's handed you, we've been studying through the book of Romans. Mm -hmm. And, uh, brother, it has been so good. You know, we've just been just diving into the Word of God and just getting built up. And, you know... It, 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 you know, it's so true. The, the word is a lamp, and it's a light, and it, but it exposes, but it also, you know, it illuminates. Right. And there's such an illumination that comes when we get into the Word of God and we begin to study those things. And I don't know about you, brother, but I just, I just feel built up. You know, and you get into something, you grab it, and you just, you're just consuming it. You're getting it. You know, I, last night I was probably up till I, I got up. Probably it's probably about three o'clock this morning. I was, I was up reading and I, and I got some stuff out and I was just studying on this subject. And you know, it's, there's certain things hit you. Then I was back up at, at six o'clock grabbing some more of it. And it's just, oh, you know, that's the way the word is. It's just something that you ingest. And it's it's like a spiritual energy drink. You know, a brother in the Lord told me he said he talked about how. Uh, how, how the market for energy drinks is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. That they came out a few years ago with, the, I guess, the Red Bulls and uh, Turbo Charge or whatever all these what things. Is, yeah. And the, the, the market for those things are, are enormous because everyone's looking for a boost. Mm -hmm. Man, I got news for folks. If you're, if you're, if you're needing a boost, get up and get heaven on your mind. Get into the Word of God and get that boost. You know, people are always teasing me about going all the time and doing things. Folks, here's your strength right here. Amen. The, the Lord is your strength. If you get into the Word, the Word gets into you, and you don't have to go and spend, you know, 3 or $4 on a big, tall energy drink or a, 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 a double a shot of espresso. Man, get you a double shot and a double dose of the Holy Ghost and get you some Word inside of you, and you will see a change and a transformation comes. But I'm excited about this morning's teaching. Just as I've been about every all, other morning, every other morning, yeah. all the eighteen other lessons that we've had, but I, I think God. this is really going to be good, and it's, it, 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 I think it's going to be something real relevant to us. And so, uh, I'm going to let Pastor Alex pray, and we're going to dive right into the Word this morning. But thank you guys for coming. Amen. And if you haven't been in on the the previous eighteen, download them to your computer at www.raveninstitute.blogspot.com. And uh, you can see what we've been talking about. Amen. Pray Amen. Sam, brother. Father, we just come before you this morning. And God, we do thank you that the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet, Lord God, that it illuminates, God, that it shows us even stumbling blocks before us, God, so that don't we have fallen into any traps, Lord God, or get stumbled on anything, Lord, that it shows us those things. And Lord, there comes in repentance that we can see it before it happens and we can change our mind and change direction. So God, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for your power, God, your anointing, Lord. I would ask that you would illuminate our minds and our hearts this morning, that we would be ready to receive. God, we lack wisdom this morning. But God, we don't want to lack wisdom. We ask for wisdom this morning. We ask that you would give us the wisdom, Lord, even as King Solomon asked for wisdom. We ask for it this morning, God, that we may have your word in us. Now, God, I pray for everyone who's struggling this morning whether financially, spiritually, or physically, Lord God. God, I pray where they're at, Lord God. Meet them where they're at. Touch them, Lord God. Give them hope, Lord God. Give them an expected end, Lord God. Show them that Jeremiah, that in Jeremiah, where you have all things for them, Lord God, that you know the plans and the thoughts that you have towards them, that they're good and not evil, Lord. And I thank you, God, for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. If you are listening to us live, I've got a quick announcement for you. Uh, we're going to be on next week, Monday through Thursday only. I'll be leaving on Friday flying to uh, Baltimore where I'll be connecting with Raven East Coast, Pastor Sam and Lucy Krogan for the, the, the boot camp on the East Coast, the first annual boot camp there that we're going to be conducting and doing outreaches in uh, Baltimore, Maryland and uh, in southeastern Pennsylvania as well. So next week's uh, schedule will be Monday through Thursday. The following week after that will be Tuesday through Friday. Okay. Because I'll be gone Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and be back Monday, but I won't be back in time for the program. Okay. So next this coming week it'll be all it'll be all week and up until Thursday, and I'll announce that then. And the following week we won't meet on Monday, Monday. but it'll okay. be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So after today we'll have two weeks of four lessons each. So you can kind of put that down so you can kind of uh, work your schedule in relationship to that. Pastor Alex, we concluded chapter two. Uh, and, and, and yesterday we kind of concluded that in, in the teaching of chapter 2 and in, in, in both chapter 1 and, uh, and got those things wrapped up. And we're about to dive into chapter 3, which uh, is, is really chapter, uh, yesterday's class, I should say, can kind of be summed up with that illustration that I gave concerning the legal process. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give you that and we'll parlay that into what's going to happen today. But that, that legal process that we talked about yesterday when he began to address the Jews 
in relationship to their covenant and the ceremonial practices and all the things that they had failed so miserably at. As they stood, as we finish up chapter 1, we saw where they were pointing fingers at the Gentiles saying, yeah, we told you how rotten those people were. We told you how how bad they were. So in chapter 2, and we just closed out yesterday, chapter 2 was really just him turning the tables on them and just revealing to them right. where they were and how their character was. And so those, those, that, that point of it was is, is really it can be kind of summed up in, in this process that they were facing. It's the indictment, the trial, and the, and verdict. the verdict. Or we, we took it and we said it's the way, the truth, and the life. And so the, the way is that indictment or the, the, the allegations that are levied, that, that just that, that evidence that's brought in that's enough to get an indictment. And most people walk in the indictment phase of Christianity. Right. They, they, don't, they don't follow it through. They don't want to follow it through the verdict. Because they're told and they're, they're, they're given this, this, this watered down pastel pink gospel that says just pray this prayer and that will be enough evidence. Right. Well that might get you indicted. But that's never going to get a final verdict. Right. Because the grand jury that offers the indictment brother, are not the ones that come to the final conclusion. They're the ones that you go to in spiritually or, in, 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 or even in you talk about in Christendom or in Judaism. The, the 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 indictment was okay. You're a Jew. Okay. The indictment was oh you you're of the circumcision. Right. Christianity is well you go to church. Yeah. Or you own a Bible. Or you walked an aisle. Or you got dipped in water one time. And so that's the indictment. That's or my favorite one is oh you live in America. Oh yeah, you live in America. You've that's, got that's to, my or you live in one. the Bible Belt. Let's yeah. even bring it a little bit further down. Yeah. <laughs> and so the indictment has been levied, or the way has been there. But not he didn't stop with saying he's the way, or he's that place that Matthew seven talks about is that narrow gate that leads to life. If you there be that find it, right. he finds it because he is the narrow. Way right. he is the way, but he's the narrow way. But you've got to go on trial, and we, we talked about the word of God saying, "Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, as some strange thing has come upon you." That the the, the trial saints, and I want to say this: as you get as you go through life, as you go through your walk, especially you folks that are called to the ministry, the fiery trial will come. And you know what you need to do? You need to praise God for the fiery trial, because brother, the fiery trial is is the inheritance of the saints. Yes. Because unless you move past the, the level of indictment, you can't have the expectancy of the fiery trial. He right. said, don't think it's strange or don't think it's a, a foreign thing, but it's something that's in our inheritance. The reason being for that, brother, is that we have the fiery trial. The unbeliever, all they, they don't have the fiery trial. No. All they have is a certain fiery indignation that awaits them on the day of wrath. Wow. And so, folks, when you complain about your fiery trial, all you need to do is look up and be exceedingly glad because great is your reward in heaven. Because those that are, that are not of the faith, they don't have the fiery trial. They don't have those things coming into their life. Right. The correction of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the rebu- rebuke, the reproof, the, right. the, the chastening of the hand of the Lord. Yeah. All, they're going to walk in that. So when you say to yourself, "How can how can why do them lost people seem to get by with everything?" Saints, all, all they are doing is building themselves up wrath. They're treasuring up for themselves wrath for the day of judgment. But because God loves us, He's not going to leave us alone. He's going to continue to work on us, and He's going to bring us through trial. And so today, folks, if you're sitting sitting there wherever you are in this nation or abroad, your faith is on trial, and that's good news. Because you've got, you're going to have witness after witness after witness that's going to come and testify against you. Right. Or testify for, for you. Right. And so, folks, right now in your life, there are people being paraded through the witness stand. They're being called by the defense, and they're being called by the prosecution. There are people that you come in contact with every single day that your faith is on trial. Who you are in Christ Jesus is on trial. And, 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 and they're, they're asking the question, so you're a believer, so why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Right. If you believed that He can come back at any time and you knew I was in gross sin, why didn't you tell me about those things? Right. Your faith is on trial. Then there's others going to come and say, listen, man, I was, I was hungry and they brought me something to eat. Right. Your faith was on trial. And so you can say, yes, whatsoever I did to the least of these, I've done it unto Him. So folks, listen. Today, as you leave this teaching, or if you're listening to this somewhere, you're going to walk from the way, you're going to walk from the, the indictment into the trial and the truth. You're going to go into that place. And the final thing is the verdict or the life. Right. That's so the judgment, right? That is the judgment. That's okay. at the end times that, either, that, that one day that there's going to be a judgment coming. And for the righteous, it's going to be unto eternal life. Mm-hmm. To, the, to the wicked or to the unsaved, to those that did not want to receive the, the truth the tr- on trial, to them it's going to be... Do you have to take the witness stand? 
Do you? Have, do we have to take the witness stand? Well, we, you know what, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. We, we think about it, brother. We're judged by our own words, right? By our own words. Yeah. He said, "By your own words, you're justified. By your own words, you're condemned." Why? Why is it that our words do it? Because. Out no. of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're on a witness stand as well. Brother, we're sitting on a witness stand as we speak <laughs> yeah, right here. Right. Everything, every, he said, you not know that even you'll give an account or be judged for every idle word that yeah. proceeds from their mouth. The, the, the smallest of thing that we think is, 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 is so small and so trivial, those things, we're going to be held accountable for them. So, guys, that's why the Word tells us that a man that is able to bridle his tongue is like a perfect man because our tongue is our most unruly member. Right. And so, you know, your, your faith is on trial, your communication is on trial, your heart is on trial, and your relationship with God is on trial. And the thing is, is get the Word in your life. That's why we sit here on a, on a Monday through Friday and on Tuesday nights to get that Word in you. We, yes. we, we, want to, we want to be able to stand and say, Lord, listen, we invested in them, and when your faith's on trial, we want them to be able to call us to the witness stand and say, testify on their behalf. I want you, amen, to be able to sit on the witness stand at the trial of my faith. And be able to say, you know what? Pastor Troy did everything he could to try to invest the word in as many people as he could. You yeah. know what? We're, what we're doing, brother, is we're writing out our witness list. With every person that hears this teaching, Amen. what we're saying is our faith is on trial. Man, we, we want to, to be able to, to, to have a witness list that testifies on our behalf. The, the indictment, the way, the truth, the, the, the life. The excuse verdict. me, the, tru- the trial is the truth and the verdict is the life. Indictment, trial, verdict, way, truth, and life. And so... Paul addressed the Jews in, in, in that chapter in relationship to being able to prove water who they know by the testimony of their hearts rather than just their feeble attempt to keep some type of ceremonial law mm-hmm. and, and, in which they obviously they failed miserably they in doing so. We meet Jewish people that call themselves Orthodox. There's, there's, no, uh, there, there's no temple any longer, so there's no sacrifice. Right. And so what they've had to do is revert to things called the Sabbat and different things like that that are a substitute. Folks, there's no substitute for the will of God. No. His, his will, you know, I've heard people say, and we'll get into Romans 12 here in, in the next few months or whenever uh, in our teaching, but they talk about Romans 12 too, and it says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed that you, uh, uh, by the renewing of your mind so you can prove or walk out mm-hmm. the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've heard people preach, brother, that that's three different things. That there's the good will of God, there's the perfect will of God, then there's the acceptable will of God. Wow. No, brother, that is three things that define one will. His will is always good. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from God above the Father of lights. Father of lights. No yeah. shadow of turning in Him. There's no variation. And, and, and so they're saying, well, you know what? I may not be in the, in the perfect will of God, but I'm in the good will of God. Or and I've heard this. People talk about the permissive will of God. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Before. Let me let me give you the definition of the permissive will of God. It's called the rebellion of man. <laughs> okay. The rebellion of man is the permissive will of God. People say, well, you know what? That's just it's not God's perfect will, but it's His permissive will. I challenge any of you folks out there. Any, if you got any armchair theologians out there, show me the permissive will of God. Does God permit things? Yeah, but that's not His will. That's God allowing you to walk out your free will moral agency. To be and that, there's a consequence. There's a consequence. Yeah. He says, you want to do it? Go ahead. God yeah. is not mocked. Whatever man sows. That's kind of like my children. I've before said, you know, I want to eat this. I said, that's hot, baby. Oh, I want to eat it. It's hot, baby. I said, yeah. I'm going to go, go for it. <laughs> Why they get that hot sauce or whatever. Ah! Well, you told me I could eat it. Yeah. No, I told you, go ahead. It was hot. I told yeah. you the consequences of it. Now, if you want to do that, that's not my perfect will yeah. for you. But do that. You know, it's interesting. When I was uh, growing up as a teenager, uh, I'd come to my mother and say, uh, listen, I want to go with my friends. And uh, she'd look at me sometimes. She'd say, well, I just don't feel right about that. And I'd say, well, everybody's going. I, I want to go. I want to go. Yeah. I want to go. No, I don't, I don't think you should go. I just don't feel right about that. And I'd say, but Mom, everybody's going. It's okay. You're just, you're just being old-fashioned or you're this and that. I, I can't remember what I'd say, say to her at the time. <laughs> then she'd, she'd look at me and she said, Okay, you go ahead and go and do exactly whatever you want to do. She'd give me that look. <laughs> you and I just said, so I could go? And she said, no, I told you I don't want you to go. But if that's what you feel like you need to do, you go ahead and go right ahead and do it. Brother, you couldn't get me out of that house because I didn't. I wanted to go with her approval. She was going. She'd let me go, yeah. but she would let me go right into the consequences of disobedience to her, right, or to the, the the authority that God had placed in my life at that time. It's the same thing with Christ Jesus, folks. Listen, He's given us that authority. He's given us that thing, and he, that's why He said in Joshua twenty four in the old covenant, "Choose you this day whom you will serve." As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's why I said, "Behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation." Good, acceptable, and will. When is that good and acceptable will? It's not for later, folks. It's 
right now. We, we have a right now covenant because we serve a right now God that is wanting us to walk in obedience and know Him right now. And so He, he spoke not only to those folks, but obviously He spoke to the modern church and that but what what it is is that that pharisaical order that Paul was addressing, brother, they they boasted in their position, but refused to walk by his precepts. Mm. And I want to say that yeah. again: they boasted in position, but refused to walk in the precepts. Which you know, both groups. You look at the the Jews of then. You look at the the, the church of today. And in Paul, you know, he wrote uh, uh, as he wrote in in this epistle to the, in, in to the church that they thought that membership had some type of privilege. Yeah. That yeah. it was the American Express type of Christianity. Don't leave home without it. Folks, listen. There's not a free pass. There's not a carte blanche in the kingdom. It is walking out those things. Right. Dying to yourself daily. He said, daily I die. Right. And so it's not what you did at grandma's knee when you were 15 or 12 years old or whatever it is. It's what you're going to do at the foot of the cross on a daily basis. Daily Folks, basis. listen. Yes. Listen, I hope, I'm not, I hope I'm not shocking anyone. But this guy right here, Pastor Troy Bond... I have to die to myself daily. There is there is something inside of me in that old nature, that old sin nature that wants to resurrect itself on a daily basis. Right. So what it comes and does, it knocks on the door of the heart. It comes with that temptation. It comes with that laziness or that complacency. And it knocks and it says, well, just back off just a little bit. Just back off just a little bit. And brother, you know what you have to do? You have to nail, nail that, that thing, thing to the cross Absolutely. every single day. Because the, the enemy will come just like those that, that stood at the foot of Jesus. They said, well, come down from the cross and save yourself. Yeah, he didn't, they didn't realize he didn't come to save himself. Right, he came to sacrifice himself that we can be saved. But here's what the word also says in the book of Galatians: it "says I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Right. But it's not I that live, but, but it's Christ, Christ that lives in Absolutely. me. And if I'm going to live a life now in the flesh, I'm going to live to His glory, who died right. and gave Himself for me. Folks, don't ever come down from the cross to save yourself. There's there's no salvation apart from walking this thing out, not just in proclamation, but in walking out actually in the precepts and demonstration of those things in your life. That's why First Thessalonians five one five we always talk about that our gospel. Came not in word only, right. but in power and in demonstration of the Holy Spirit with much assurance that they may know about what manner of men we are. Yes. So folks, don't fall into the trap of the Jews in chapter 2. Yeah, I was going to say that that that's a parallel so many times. And, and, and we talk about the modern day church, but we need to look at ourselves. So many times as leaders, uh, we think, well, you know, we're a part of, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I'm going to say this because we are a part of something tremendous with the Raven Ministries. And uh, so many times we think because we're a part of this tremendous ministry, we've got certain privileges. And really, we need to take that out of the equation and say, uh, like you said, we got to die to ourselves. We can't use that position as like, well, you know, we're part of this, we're part of that. Right. And that happens across the board, whether you go to this church or that church or you're part or of this, this ministry or, or no. whatever, it doesn't matter. We you are know. caretakers Yeah, we trusted in something that. that God has given us. We need, in other words, we have not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. That's exactly and right. And that we need to humble ourselves and always keep in mind and bear in our bodies the the, uh, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul said. And so we need to, you know, those marks is up in every day. You know that's what I'm it. saying? You're absolutely right. So that's, that's what I was thinking. You know, we ought to... And, 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 our faith is being put on trial. Our testimony is being put on trial. But we don't need to be found guilty of impersonating believers. That's a good one. You know, yeah. we don't need to be found guilty. I mean, if that's our, our crime, it turns out to be, it says, listen, everything's th- thrown out, all the charges except for one. You're found guilty of impersonating a believer. Wow. And folks, don't be found guilty of that. Don't let circumstantial evidence be the only thing that you bring into the courtroom. You're the, and, and see what the tragedy I believe that, that Paul was driving home and really just walking with exactly what you said this morning Pastor Alex was uh, that, that, that we want all the benefits or the hearing and the knowing of all those things uh, but we really don't want to have to pay the sacrifice, sacrifice. of walking those things yeah. out and so if you're going to talk it you better live it and you right. better walk it out because that's what you're going to be held accountable to Bust open right here in chapter 3 of, uh, of, of the book of Romans. Man, good stuff, brother. And once, I, once again, I'm excited and pumped about these things. Because I think it's going to bring, really bring some clarity uh, and some, uh, some really kind of to pinpoint some of these things and how it applies into our life today and really what he was talking about here in Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So I'm going to read that. He says, What advantage then has the Jew, or what profit is there of the circumcision? He said, Much in every way. He said, Chiefly or namely or most importantly, because that unto them was committed the oracles of God. And so I want to say that again. He said, what advantage then does the Jew have? So Paul just undressed them. 
I mean, right. literally, for, for all those, what is it, 29 verses yeah, in the second chapter, he totally undressed them. He said, listen, you, you, you talk the talk, but you do not walk the walk. Right. He said, you, 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 are, you, you are just shadow believers. You just walk in the shadows, and you, you, you want to talk about something, but your faith being put on trial, he said, there's, there's not enough evidence to convict you or to get you to the, the place of the, the life. And so, so he comes down and he asks the question that they're probably going to ask him. Right. And so he gives a rhetorical question. And he says, okay, we, we have all these advantages. All these things were given to us. We, we're people of the circumcision. We're, we're called out. Abram was called out to be Abraham of you're the Chaldeans. He right. said, I'll make a people of you. You're going to be the father of many nations. Moses went up to Mount Sinai, received the book of the law. And, and we, we had all these things that, that we went through. We had the, the tabernacle in the wilderness. We had, the, 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 we had Solomon's temple. We had all these things. We stand here looking at Herod's temple. All these things that we have. If you're saying that you're dressing us down. It means nothing. <laughs> You're making us feel like it means this. So he poses the question that he knows that his hearer is going to hear. And it's no different than us saying, listen, God has done all these great things. Jesus Christ died on the cross. And then you look at the life of a, of a let's use some street terms, of a poser, someone yeah. posing as a Christian, but there's no validity to that life or no fruit in that life. And they say, well, I go to church all the time. I'm a part of the Sunday school class, right. or you know what? I don't I don't beat my wife, or I'm not an alcoholic, and all these things. And you begin to take them and you begin to measure them against the Word of God, and they look at you and they said, "So, so, so, what advantage do I have of going to church?" Yeah, what's the purpose? Then what's the point of going to church? If, if you're telling me that, that God's expecting more out of me, then am I wasting my time? Right. And so that's the the exact type of question that Paul thrust into the face of the Jews because he knew that that's what they would be asking. asking. So what is it then? And so this is the question that, that he's asked after demonstrating that just because you are a Jew, or in our case, a Christian, that it does not exempt you from the judgment of God or the requirements of righteousness. And so what he did was just effectively demonstrate that all their outward symbolic acts, brother, like we said, whether it's circumcision, whether for us it's water baptism right. or walking an aisle or praying a prayer are only as valuable as the life that is lived in conjunction with those outward acts. Now, brother, let me ask you a question. Because you've been, on, you've been on, on, on streets across this nation. You've witnessed to people. You've had to walk up and approach people with the gospel. And, and you've asked people this question, just as I've asked many people, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? And their response is, I was baptized. Yeah. What do they mean by that? Means that that's what because salvation. they didn't answer your question. Yeah, that 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 and or yeah, I've heard them say that I'm baptized or I used to go to church. I was in Sunday school when I was a kid. Right. And so I guess that means to them, I, from what I gather, that is that's good enough. Well, but brother, doesn't it ring so much in unison with what the Jews of that day yeah. they were saying? I mean, we're, we're I've been baptized. I'm okay. I'm okay. Don't you know that I went through... Folks, listen. If, if there's not fruit in your life that, that conveys the righteousness of God after you've been baptized, you really didn't get baptized. All you got was wet. Right. You took a little dip in a tub and you went through some ceremonial type of thing. Because, folks, baptism should be just an outward demonstration of what's already happening in your heart. It's right. just the, the walking out and it's the outward manifestation. It's not an outside-in thing. Right. It's always an inside-out type of thing in the gospel. And so we, we hear people say stuff like that. And you know, I, I like to use baptism because it becomes that thing. And so you know, there's, there's certain denominations that say we baptized you know, so many people this year. Or right. in their roles, they'll say, well, we had, you know, this past year we had 50 decisions for Christ. My question is: Was that a good decision or a bad decision? Right. I'm, I'm sure that they made a decision, but does that? But did they bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, right. or fruit that, that demonstrated something actually happened inside do, of the? Do you life? remember the time when we were uh, in the old church where we would baptize somebody at least three times? Remember that? Yeah. Do you remember we were going through that deal where we'd baptize somebody, and then somebody would say something else, and they say, "Well, I guess it didn't take the first time, or it wasn't really the real thing, and so they did it again this time. It's right, and then it." Go live another life, whole different lifestyle, and come back. And so, what it indicated oh. that their heart was never right. Right, their heart was never right. And so, it had nothing to do with the water. It had nothing to do with the ceremonial no, aspect of it. It had something to do cool, with, with the heart. And so, it, it's got to come back to that point of: uh, is our is our outward things that we do? Are they all that we're going to have on trial? Right. And, and I like to use also this as an example, and, and, and maybe this will make sense to some people, but maybe it won't. 
we went through a thing in the church called discipleship and where it was just what we're doing right here exactly. teaching the word and I was among probably the first 12 would you say you, yeah yeah the first 12 I started doing the <laughs> I don't want to tell you that I've chosen you 12 but yeah, one no, of you is the devil, devil. <laughs> that was me <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, but it seems like a lot of would take the discipleship over and over and over and over and over again. Forever learning, but never, never coming to the knowledge, knowledge of the truth. And it always bothered me because a lot of those people that were in that first original discipleship never and you're stepped... you're talking about something that, was, that occurred, what, 13 years 13 ago? 13 years ago, that 13, never stepped years. up and did anything. And so it's the same thing. They they and, and there was a saying that we said, discipleship's only good as those persons who are willing to take yes. discipleship. And so it's like this morning, if, if you're learning this word and say, well, I went through with Pastor Troy through the whole book of Romans. But you don't ever see a change in your life. It isn't because the word is none effect, or it's yes. not because the teaching is no good. It's because somebody hasn't taken that in their heart and said, "Let me apply this to my life." And and it's what you're saying right there with baptism. They yes. they get water baptized, but they never really seek after God. I mean, it's just a outer manifest. It's just a, a, a what do you call it? An outer manifestation of, of nothing, really. You know what it really what it really says, and what it really holds me accountable to this word. Is, <coughs> You can't preach. You can't genuinely preach holiness unless you're walking in holiness. Mm -hmm. You can't genuinely stand up as a pastor in front of a congregation and talk about the urgency to reach the lost if you're, if you're not reaching the lost. Right. And I, and I mentioned this a couple of teachings ago that God began to challenge me about talking about things and not really doing those type of things. Right. And you know, and I tell leaders as I teach leaders across the country, listen, the people that are under you are going to be number one product of your leadership, but never expect them to do any more than about half of what you're willing to do. Yeah, I remember that. Exactly, because they're never going to do that. They're going to, they're going to try to come up to that because you are the pace setter. Right. You are the visionary. You're the one that God has called to raise that standard. Now, that's true whether you're a pastor behind a pulpit or you're the leader of a home fellowship group or you're over a jail ministry. Those people that are, that are, that are your subordinates, those people that are, that are serve underneath you, don't expect them to walk in that level of commitment that you walk in right. until they're forced to walk, have the responsibility of their own commitment to whatever God's called them to do. And so, if I'm going to preach something, brother, I better know what I'm talking about. Right. We've talked about it in, in, in over the last few years about all these the people write things about evangelism and they say certain things don't work and you got to do this. I, I've never seen those people that write these books actually out doing it. No. And you know what's the adage that those that don't can't do it teach it. You know, we don't want to just be hearers, and so we're not we're not we're not coming to you just teaching something that we don't know anything about. Right? You know, our feet are out on the streets. We're preaching the gospel. We're we're endeavoring to walk in the righteous God. Have we arrived? Absolutely not. No. But we are doing what Paul the apostle said to do in Philippians chapter three. We're, we we haven't attained anything, but we forget those things that are behind. We're not resting on our laurels. In other words, right. we're not saying, well, we used to do evangelism, or we right. used to preach the gospel, or we used to teach, or we used to do these things. We used to, to worship the Lord, but we're pressing towards the mark for the prize, the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And if that means coming and sitting here day after day, hour after hour, and ingesting the Word of God and teaching it to those that desire to hear, that's that's what's going to help build us up. That's what's going to facilitate the things that God is doing in our lives. So folks, raise the standard and, and press towards that mark. Don't think that you're going to rest on those things in the past. And and know that you can do all things through Christ Jesus, right. which gives you strength. Don't ever let someone put you into a pigeonhole and, and say, okay, as long as you meet this little ceremonial criteria, or you know what, you're just a nursery worker, you're, you've got the gift of mercy, and so basically you just serve uh, cake to, and coffee to people at our at our fellowships. Folks, listen. You, when he says you can do all things, right. he means that you can do all things. I have people right. tell me all the time, well, you do that because you're an evangelist. I'm no. not an evangelist. No. But that's not my calling. That's not my gift. I evangelize out of the nature of who I am in Christ Jesus as a minister of reconciliation. Right. I do, as he told Paul, uh, Peter, uh, Paul told, uh, excuse me, young Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, do the work of an evangelist to make full proof of your ministry. Folks, you'll never make full proof of your ministry, whatever it is, unless you do the work of an evangelist. Because that was the work of the first church. They went out. He said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers, fishers of, of men. men. He said on the day of, uh, on, on, in the book of Acts 1 and 8, he said, you'll receive power to be a witness, to do the work of an evangelist. So regardless of what you're gifting, what your, your calling is, or what's, where, where you're plugged in to, to ministry or whatever else, folks, that is the responsibility. So don't let people pl plug you in or uh, pigeonhole you. Brother, I've led praise and worship. I, obviously, I teach the Word. I preach the Word. I evangelize. Why? Because it's never been about me. Right. It's about Christ in you 
the hope of glory. And so if you just believe, you know, Paul the Apostle said to seek earnestly after the best gifts. Right. And so where I lacked, when I was shy and didn't want to say anything, I said, God, I need a boldness. And I said, I need the boldness because I read in the Word that says the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold Bold as a lion. God, give me your righteousness. Give me something in your life. Give me faith in the blood of Jesus and the cross. That way I can do what I see other people do. And God, He's not slack concerning His promises as some men count slackness. Long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, that any should come up short, any of you should lack in, in any good work, but that all should come to repentance. repentance. All should come to that place of recognition, renunciation, reconciliation, and ultimately the revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Jews failed, and that's where the, the, the Gentiles or the church of today failed as well. It become all these outward things, and so they always say, what, what advantage? What advantage? Right. You got something you want to add to no, that? No, no, I'm just I'm taking it all in. And so, basically what he did was tell the Jewish people, I'm going to say this, you can put this in your note, he told the Jewish people that they were no better than the Gentiles. Right. He slapped them right in the face. He gave them a cherry donut, so to speak. Mm. He he put it on them, and he and, and, and to us that may sound harmless enough, but to tell the Jews that they were no better than the Gentiles, brother, it was call, it was like calling them a dog. It was just calling them the ultimate insult that he could ever give to those people because to them they were the one who God had chosen or, or called his own people they were the one who had been entrusted with the truth they were the ones who had the great responsibility and, and they had the, the definitive answer for all uh, those things that the people had and you know what yes they were all those things. They, they were God's chosen people. They, they were the ones that had been entrusted with truth. They were the ones given great responsibility. But what happened is that rose up, that responsibility rose up as the indictment against them and it ultimately brought condemnation upon them because they were just hearers and not doers. And folks, the church will not escape that either. Right. Do you not know that the times come when judgment shall begin at the house of the Lord? Right. And so God, I believe, in this hour is raising up voices of people that are willing to stand up in in that that, that courtroom uh, above the the courtroom of public opinion, above the courtroom of compromise, and say, listen, this is what God said, and regardless of the consequences, I'm going to not look to the left or to the right. I'm going to set my face like a flint. I'm going to focus on those things that are above and not beneath. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be fearful of of their intimidation. I'm not going to be fearful uh, of the lack of popularity because I know that the Word says that that I'll be hated of all men for His name's sake. And if I'm going to identify with the suffering to the exact same level that I'm willing to walk in that obedience to those things, whether it's persecution, whether it's suffering, whether it's endless hours of being obedient to the Word of God, that is to the degree that I'm going to walk and, and, and be uh, a partaker of His glory as well. The, the Word says in James 4.17, James 4.17, it says, Therefore, to him that knows to do good, he does not do it. To him it is sin. To him it is sin. And brother, what's the wages of sin? Death. What's the verdict, I guess we could say, yeah. of sin? It's death. It's death. Yeah. It's, it's eternal damnation. So if we know those things, just as the Jews did, he was, he was telling them straight up, you know these things? Was it like they were, were ignorant of it? No, they, they, they knew, knew every single one of the things. Right. And so they had been admittedly... So when they say, what advantage has the Jews? Guys, the Jewish people had been given a tremendous, tremendous advantage over everyone else, and they'd blown it. And brother, we sat here with a tremendous advantage. If we don't have a victory... We've it's been, our own problem. Yeah, we've blown it. It is. If, if, we, if we can't walk in victory in, in Christ Jesus, and I don't mean a circumstantial victory. I don't mean every little thing, situation, a situational victory, if I can call it that. But I mean a, a victory that is more real than what anyone can see. Right. That regardless of what's going on, it's, it's the victory that Jesus had when He was asleep in the boat. Mm. And all the disciples were in the same boat, so to speak. But they were panicking. And what was He doing? He was asleep. He was resting. He found rest. And so that's the that's the picture of the victory that we should. Even though we're, our, our circumstances being battered by life storms and, and maybe the everything that we think we want or need's not there or, or things aren't just working out, we, we can still rest in the bow of the boat. We can still rest right there because we know that, listen, our life is not affected by those external things. It's something internal. And so they, they've been given that. They've been given the truth. Uh, and, and think about us as well. We've been given the truth. Mm-hmm. We've been given the power. We've been given the mercy. We've been given God's grace. Yet as a whole, when I speak of a whole, I mean as, as the church. And the church not as a denomination or a building or a facility. But as a whole, we, we don't demonstrate these things through the righteousness of God. And so we're even further guilty. Mm-hmm. Even from them. Now think about this. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. What advantage then has the Jew? John fourteen sixteen and 17. 
It, here's what Jesus said, and here's what really puts us even in a greater indictment even than they were. He said, I pray, Jesus speaking of his disciples, he told them, listen, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you a comforter, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he said, I pray the Father that he will give you another comforter, that he might, might abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. You know, it talks about that the, the, the Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. truth. Guys, we said here, is studying the truth of God's Word. And so the Holy Spirit is there to teach us and lead us and guide us into all truth. He said, he said the world cannot receive it because it does not see Him. Right. The world does not function internally. It functions externally. They have to see it to believe it. Mm-hmm. And so He's saying, listen, the world can't receive it because it's received by faith. Neither do they know Him, but you know Him. That Here's the kicker. Right. But he, dwelleth, he, he Now He dwells with you, but He will be in you. In you. Right. Brother, for the Jews... For as much as they had, he just dwelt with them. Right, brother. For what we have, he dwells inside of us. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, folks? We sit here as believers. If if you're if you're if you're watching or listening to this, listen. We sit here as believers without excuse because today, if if you've received Christ Jesus through faith, he is in you. He is abiding inside of you. He is working in you to will and to do His good pleasure. Amen. You've got a help inside of you that can be tapped and touched and resourced at any given time. You're not having to go to a temple and offer a sacrifice. You're not having to stand before a, the, the, the burn, uh, and give a burnt offering or, or to, to wash your hands in the brass laver outside the, the holy place. You don't have to do those things. You don't have to pull yourself through the, 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 the veil that, that separated the holy place and the holy of holies. Right. You don't have to go with a bowl of lamb's blood and then spill it upon the mercy seat. He is inside of you by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the ability and, and the, the, the responsibility to, and, and the, the opportunity to, to reach into those things through the Spirit of God. Brother, I know when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, man, something happened to me. You talk about the Word. Yeah. I, remember, I remember looking at the Word many times as a young person and just not being able to grasp it. But brother, as soon as the Holy Spirit came into my life, it was literally like blinders were poured off of my life. And I began to cry out to God. I said, God, you're going to have to teach me this. You're going to have to show me these things. And what used to just be like a blur on a page. It mm. used to be this... Work. Suddenly it was just like unsearchable riches as we yeah. talked about. It just become depth. And see, folks, that's what he said. He said the spirit of truth. He'll lead and guide you into, into all, all truth. truth. The world can't receive it because they don't see it. They're, they're blinded by these things. Right. The sad part was the Jews became blinded by the same things that he entrusted this, them with. They, mm. they forgot about the inward parts, just as David said right. in the 51st Psalm. You desire truth, truth in the, the inward, inward parts. parts. And it became all ceremonial to them. It became like Jesus called them, whitewashed tombs. In other words, they looked clean on the outside, but inside, stinking death on the inside. They became clouds without rain. On the outside, it looked like there was something inside the of them. True uprooted twice. True uprooted twice. There was no fruit in their life. And so, now... now then in verse 2, guys, he offers up, really, I'm going to call it the star witness in relationship to this indictment that was levied against them. And here's what he said. He said, they, they said, I'm going to read it together. He said, what advantage then has the Jew, or what profit is there of the circumcision? Or, or you know what, we've got all these advantages, but what good's it doing us? Yeah. Then he said, much in every way, he said, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles, oracles of God. Of and so they were saying, listen, so what was that? What is that? If, if you're saying that we're as, as wicked as we are, if you're saying that we've missed it as much as we are, so where's the benefit to all this? And so, you know, you talk to people that claim to be Christians many times, and, and you'll just lay out the word to them, and they'll say, so what you're telling me is I've just been wasting my time all these years? So what is the benefit? Guys, I'm fixing to give you the benefit. He says, in much in every way, or basically he was saying, listen, guys, your advantages are tremendous. If, if you've had the opportunity as we have in, in, in this nation that we sit in, the United States, to have access to the Word of God, that you're not having to tear out a page of one of these 66 books that we call the Bible or the book uh, and hide it because you've got people that, that, that have forbid you to read, read it because of false religion that's being preached. We have the opportunity, brother, we can have stacks of Bibles. We went out and did an outreach uh, with uh, Raven Space Coast this past week. And what did we did, we stacked, literally had stacks of Bibles out right. there on the, on, the, on the table to give away. And people just took them in droves or asked us for, for another one. They, right. they wanted the Word of God. There's a desperation for the Word of God. People want it. We can do that. What advantage? 
And, and he said, you have a tremendous advantage. Folks, this, this, this nation, and, we're spe- and I'm speaking back to the, the nation of Israel at the time, the Jewish people, man, they, they, they were, they, brother, they were far superior to any other people on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. They did. They, they, they enjoyed benefits that had never even remotely been seen by any other nation, any other people, by the Gentiles. They had, they had seen things that were demonstrated to them. They had advantages. They had promises. They had benefits that no one else could even touch. Mm-hmm. Not unlike we do who are in Christ Jesus. Right. Brother, think about this. They were blessed beyond explanation and it, it literally defied belief. So much so that even to this day they're hated of other nations who seek to exterminate them from existence. Right. You know, you think even about to this day. To this day, even when they were uh, exiled for 2,000 years, think about what happened in the, in the, in the beginning in the, the, the turn of the, the last century in the early 1900s, the 30s, and in the 40s with World War I and World War II specifically, when you had Adolf Hitler rise to prominence in Germany under the, uh, under the Nazism, and they sought for the extermination of the Jews. The Jews right. He hated them. Why? But these Jews weren't even in their own homeland. Right. But they were being blessed. They acquired great wealth. There was a tremendous blessing that right. followed them even though they had been exiled from their own lands. They didn't have their own country. And he sought to exterminate them. You, you see radical Islam. What has the, uh, the president of, of Iran said many times? Yeah. That, that the Jews need to be... The time is coming when they're going to be exterminated. Right. And you've seen these things. And so the, the blessing that they enjoyed or the advantage they enjoyed, it, 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 was, it was to such a degree that it has never wavered. Even during the exile, even though they didn't have their own country, they were still hated because people could see the benefits. Even in this country, you know, people use you know uh, offhanded remarks like, and, and not even knowing. So I didn't even realize, you know, you, you slang terms. You talk about if you want to get somebody to to give you a, a cheaper price, they say, "Hey, can I yeah, Jew you, you down? down?" Not even realizing that yeah. that's an insult. I didn't even know that word existed until recently. Yeah, and I think I had this conversation with you that it was a. That you talk about people want to Jew something down. And so basically they're trying to say, you know what, a Jew's just a cheap person. But in our culture, you know, you, people say that and you don't even associate it with what they were saying. Right. It's, a, it's a, trying to be a slap in the face to a Jewish person because mm-hmm. they reap such benefits. And so they say, well, listen, the only reason you're prospering is because you're cheapskate. Even though you're, you're pro- the only reason you're prospering is because you're a cheater, you're a liar. Mm-hmm. The only reason, brother, they're prospering. It's because God made a covenant with them. That's right. That is it, folks. He made a covenant with those people, and it wasn't because of the outward manifestation of ceremonialism or the outward manifestation of those things. It was because God loved them. He is long-suffering. Over 50 times, brother, in the Old Testament alone, the Word says, under the Old Covenant, it says God is good and His mercy endures forever. Hmm. That was before the cross. That was before the blood of Jesus. Wow. That was before the, the impartation of the, the Holy Spirit that we saw promised in John chapter 14. Before that, God was good and His mercy endures forever. And we think the Old Testament is this iron fist. No. The Old Testament was mercy, mercy, and mercy, mercy, and then more mercy. God, through mercy, called these people out. Now, Paul was calling, calling them to task on all those advantages that they had. While other nations demonstrated or boasted in the power of their gods, little g, they actually demonstrated the power of the Lord God Almighty. Right. So they talked about, and you saw, uh, you, you, you've read and seen and depicted in, in, in cinema that they always calling out to their gods. You, I, I love reading the account when, when in uh, in Kings where uh, Elijah is is coming against the, the prophets of Baal, and you got four hundred prophets of Baal there on Mount Carmel, and he says, okay, let's all each have a sacrifice, and all day long they try to get the fire to come down and consume their. Their, their thing. They go to cutting themselves. All these things trying to do it. Elijah just sits back and waits. When it comes time for, for, for his God to show up, he pours water over the sacrifice. Right? He soaks it wet yeah. and calls down fire from heaven to consume it. That is exactly the, the, what, the, the advantage that we have. We have a God that is not just in word only, but in, but in power, power and it demonstrates the Holy Spirit with much assurance that you might know what manner of men we are. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. While other... Nations built great wealth through war and plunder. Under King Solomon, their coffers were filled, brother. Think about this. Here's the blessing that they enjoyed. So what advantage do we have? Much in every way. Uh, under King Solomon, their coffers were filled by the wealth of other nations. Mm-hmm. They would come literally. They saw how much of a blessing. They saw how wise their leader was. And they come and pay tribute to them. King Solomon never threatened them. He didn't say, I'm going to unleash some military power and come, no. unless you come and, and, and bring this great wealth to us. They, didn't do it. they just recognized it. That's the type of blessing. They, they were not looking for global conquest. 
No. Think about it. How many times did, did the Jewish nation say, "Listen, man, we're gonna we're gonna go into plunder uh, Egypt." Man, they held us in captivity and we're going back. They they had a piece of property that God had promised and made a covenant with them. That's all they wanted. That's it. Just this little speck of land in the Middle East. And, and some of you folks may have been there. I've never been there myself. I'm going to wait until the New Jerusalem before I go and make some, some pilgrimage or homage to the place. I'm, I'm going to go and when, when the New Jerusalem is there and it's that New Jerusalem that comes down from heaven and be a part of that. But they weren't trying to make conquests. So they weren't a threat to anybody outside of that realm. But because of the blessings of God upon them, people hated them. Right. And so they wanted to push them off into the, into the sea themselves. And so yet they, they had that, yet even their military victories were often miraculous and most often, more often than not, brother, against tremendous odds. Right. And so you know they would go and, and sometimes God would give them instructions. He said, well, you don't even have to lift a sword. Just, just put a, a candle in a in a in a in a in a in a barrel and bust it open, and your enemies are going to begin to kill one another. I mean, you well, see yeah. tremendous things because of the blessing and the favor of God, right. not because of their ceremonialism, because God had spoken to them. And so when the prophets spoke, things really came to pass. Right. It wasn't the, like the prophets of other nations that they spoke and it, it may have come to pass or not, or the words that dropped the ground. They actually spoke. Yet with all these advantage. Those weren't the, the ultimate advantages. It wasn't that, that they had military victories. It wasn't that they had that God well, had given us complete uh, great wealth or any of these other things. The, the chief advantage, and this is what he said, he said chiefly, or the main reason that, that you have an advantage is because under them were committed the oracles of God. Or in other words, they were in possession of their Bible. They were in possession of the law of God, the word of God. The, the, the Old Testament to them, or, or, or to us, the complete canon of Scripture. They had the Word of God. They had that which was spoken. It wasn't the military victories. It wasn't their wealth. It wasn't religious and, uh, and ceremonies. It was based on the sheer fact, brother, that they had the book. Yeah. He said, listen, yes, you have a tremendous advantage over everyone else because you were committed to Oracle of God. You are people of the book. Right. Folks, i got news for you. Your, your, your advantage in this world over the adversary is not going to be the organization you belong to. Mm-mm. It's not going to be uh, how good of a, of, a, of a dancer that you are in church or if you lift your hands up or anything else. The advantage that you are going to have is the Word of God. Right. That is what's going to separate you from the pack. You think about Jesus. He was given the Spirit of God without measure. At any time, when He hung on the cross, He could have called down a legion of angels to remove Him. Right. But listen to when He was tempted of Satan Himself. Right. Right. Not just some minion, not just some counter devil. If, if Folks, if any of you have ever said to yourself, listen, uh, man, the devil is after me. Guys, listen, there's only one devil and he's not wasting his time on you or taking, wasting his time on me. Right. Maybe his minions, maybe his little demons, maybe those evil spirits, maybe you contend with them. But the devil himself, Satan, Lucifer, that one that was once called the, the, the son of the morning, cast down from heaven because of his rebellion, he came and he began to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. He began to come against him. But did Jesus say, I'm, I'm calling power down upon you? No. He said it is written. It is written. He it is written. He used the word of God to, to bring victory, to set the standard right off the bat for what we're going to have. Amen. Praise God for the power of God. I believe in the power of God. I see the power of God. I, 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 I try to walk in the power of God. But the power of God has got to flow out of my knowledge and my, my, my using the, the Word, Word of God. Yes. And that's the way it's going to have to flow out of you. The, the trouble comes in with the fact that, that people don't know the Word of God. And so we get into the, this, this, this carnal Christianity that, that is birthed out of seeking a manifestation rather than the message. Right. Folks, the message always is over the, the manifestation. And so there's a greater, you've heard me say many times, there's a greater reality than what we see. That's what he the, said. And it's what he said. We've yeah. always got to be people of the book, chiefly because we are committed to the oracle of God. Think about this, brother. And this is a situation that truly kind of confirms what we're talking about as, as, as the word of God is so important. And it's out of 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 8 through 13. 2 Kings 22, verses 8 through 13. And brother, the, the, kind of the, the, the setup for this is, at eight years old, this young boy named Josiah was made king. Right. Then at 18, he, he began to notice that the, that the temple was in ruins. That everybody else seemed to be doing great. Everyone else's homes were fantastic. But the, it had almost like it had been pilfered. And so he gave down the order and he began to tell the priest to go in and, and clean this up. And so then uh, here's we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna 
Pick up in verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 22 and see what happens. So they're going in and they're doing this renovation project. Spring cleaning? Spring cleaning to the oh, temple. I guess. Then now listen to this. It says, And Hilkiah the priest said unto to Shaphan the scribe, He said, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to, to Shaphan and read it. And, and Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the word again and said, The servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and to deliver it to the, to the hand of them that do the work. And have, that have oversight of the house of the Lord. And, and Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, He'll find the priest that delivered me a book. And Shaphan read that book before the king. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. So, as soon as the book got read, brother, something came to pass. And when the king heard the words that, of the book of the law, he rent his clothes, mm. which was a type of repentance. That he tore his clothes. And so when we ought to when we hear the book of the law, brother, we ought to be in repentance. Man, right. we ought to, it ought to cause us to change the way that we think. And as a result of that, as a result of the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and uh, Anakim the son of uh, Shaphan and Achor the son of Milkiah and Shaphan the scribe and Azahiah the servant of the king saying, Go inquire ye of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that was written concerning us. us. Now, brother, think about the power in that relative to the Jews. Listen, they had an experience. This king came up, with, which was a, which, a king that walked in righteousness. He'd done all that was right in the sight of the Lord. And we have a temple that the book got lost in? Yeah, that's good. I mean, you think about yeah. why was that such a surprise? Shouldn't that have not, shouldn't it have been the book of the law? Shouldn't it have been the, the, the oracles of God that had been at the forefront of everything? Mm. Guys, I got news for you. It just didn't happen then with King Josiah's reign. The, the book has departed out of the mouth of the church. Yeah. And, and so the, the church needs to do a spiritual spring cleaning and, and, and get through the garbage and get through all the programs and get through all these things that have, have buried the book and all these things that have nothing to bury the responsibility, buried the holiness and the righteousness of God in the cares of this world and in, in dead, dry religiosity and, and become once again the people of the book. Mm-hmm. Folks, Satan's greatest uh, effort has been to get the book out right. of the hands of God's people because in it literally are contained all of the instructions that we need to defeat him right where we stand and to walk in true righteousness before God. So if he can take that out of yeah. the church, look how he did it in the early in the early centuries with the, the, the coming about of the Catholic Church. Right. <clears throat> what the Catholic Church did and, and still does to, to this day. great degree to yeah. this day yeah. is to take the book out of the hands of the people. Right. You can't understand You're it. You're too ignorant. You're too ignorant. You need yeah. a priest to tell you these things. We'll tell you through our homilies. We'll tell you through all these type of things. But you're, you're not a people of the book. Folks, I'm telling you, get into the book. Right. If, if all you're going to get is an hour of teaching from Pastor Alex and I on a right. daily basis, that will not be enough. You need to study to show yourself approved before right. God. A workman, rightly dividing the, the word truth. of truth, that you need not be ashamed. You need to ingest this word. You need to, to make a commitment to the word. Let that word get inside of you that you might be found faithful in that day in a person of the book. Have you noticed that even on the streets, one of the things that, a few things that they always attack, and you always notice this, and you're witnessing, no matter what leaders or whatever cults, one of the things that they'll do is, number one, deny Christ's deity. But another thing they always attack is the scripture. Absolutely. They always say the Word of God. They say, well, the Word of God was written by men. Or they'll say it was misinterpreted. Or any way to disprove... There's too many discrepancies. Yeah, too many... uh, Just to try to prove that the Word of God is a lie. Well, you think about the two things you said. They first attacked the deity of Christ, who Christ was, and the Word. Right. That's it, brother, because he was... they, 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 They attacked the living Word, and they attacked the written Word. Yeah. And so it's the same attack. Yeah. Because if He is not the, the, the Word of God, in the beginning was the Word, the yeah. Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. God. Right. And so we get the manifestation or the written manifestation of this book. The Bible is that Word of God made manifest. The truth of who Jesus is right. d- revealed to us in this canon of Scripture. And so it's, it's the exact same attack. Yeah. They just try to do it on two different fronts. And that's where the enemy will always come because if he can get you away from it is written, right. think about it, every time Jesus spoke, it is written. Right. It is written. It burned the hole right. straight through the adversary because the Word says heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will never pass away. Folks, we've got something. We've been given. the What sets us apart is chiefly because we've been committed the Word of God. And, and, and we mentioned in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, 16 and 17 in our first lesson, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished 
unto all good works. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. Second Timothy three sixteen and uh, seventeen. It's designed for doctrine, or in other words, to teach. Right. This is a doctrinal book. You can't escape doctrine. It's designed for reproof or to refute error. It's uh, designed for correction or to bring restoration, the third part of, uh, of repentance, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished all to, to, to all good works. Mm. And so we've been given that. But he said it's been given by inspiration. We talked about that. That's the, the Theonustos, uh, uh, right. and it's the breath of God. Right. Right. We've been given the Theonustos, or God has breathed into us that word that we can breathe that out into a lost right. and dying world. And so when we speak that word, and when Jesus went to his disciples, it says that he breathed upon them, right. and they received the Holy Spirit. It's, folks, that's exactly what it is. The Spirit of God, through the Word, breathes upon us, and we receive that, that engrafted Word. We receive the, the Spirit of God in us. That way that thing can be exhaled out of us to change lives, to, to, to train, change nations, and to combat the enemy wow. right where he's at. Now think about this, brother. This is what they've been entrusted with. Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. Joshua was going into the Promised Land. He's going to walk into the promises. The, 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 the children of Israel had gone through the, the deliverance of Egypt, a type of salvation. They had gone across over, uh, over, uh, over the... Uh, the Red Sea, the Red type sea. of baptism. Okay. Now he was getting instructions so they could cross over the River Jordan, which is a type of the second baptism or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Into the promises of God. And here's what his instruction was. He said, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate it on it when? Day and night. So that you may be careful to do, do. how much of it? To everything, everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. successful. So do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it that you might be prosperous and successful. And so that, that's what he told them. Take it and you're going to see the prosperity of God. You're going to see the blessing of God. You're going to see success is, is measured in righteousness, not in dollars and cents. So don't get the wrong idea on that. And so, But in, in 1 Timothy 4.1 it says, Now that the Spirit speaks expressly, then in latter times some will depart from the faith. They'll depart from the book of the law, right. giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines, doctrines of, of devils. devils. And so, brother, what does it mean to depart from the faith? It's to depart from the Word. Right. It's to become man-based, program-based, ideology-based, rather than Word-based. Another spring on the trampoline, eh? Yeah, just a spring on the trampoline, rather uh-huh. than the foundation of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so, that's, the, the, that's the, what the result is going to result in them falling away from God. That's why we're committed, you and I are committed, and other leaders are committed to what Ephesians 4, 11 through 15 says. So he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the perfecting or the equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith mm-hmm. and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be henceforth no more tossed to and fro and carried away by wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to receive. But speaking the truth back to the Word of God in love, that we may grow up in all things, which is the head, even Christ Jesus. That's our responsibility, brothers, to preach the truth right. as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers right. to equip the saints in, in righteousness, in the Word of God, because you won't be carried away by winds of doctrine if you know the truth of right. If, you, if you're under this, you're not going to be swayed. And it's back to that. Why, what advantage do we have? We've been given the the oracles of God, the Word of God. John 6, verses 66 through 68. I'm going to close with this. He said, this is Jesus speaking to His disciples. He said, From that time, many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. Then then Jesus said to the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter said, Lord, where will we go? You have the The words words of eternal eternal life. life. Folks, listen. The consequences upon the Jews was enormous because they had been given and trusted with the words of life. The consequences and responsibility for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ are enormous because we've been made the oracle of God and we've been trusted with the word of life. Romans 3.3 goes on to say, He said, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Some didn't do it. Some didn't walk it. I hear people say they're Christian and they're not doing it. Folks, our unbelief will never make the word of God less powerful. That's right. Your, your doubt, your fear and unbelief. Jesus confronted the same things in Matthew 13. Right. Because of their doubt and unbelief, not many were healed. He went outside the walls of the city. It did not change who He was. It does no. not change the Word. Just because you hear people profess to be Christians and they're not walking it does not diminish and it does not affect the Word of God is truth. Guys, thank you so much. We'll, we'll be here Monday morning at 9 o'clock uh, 
8 o'clock uh, Central Time from 9 to 10 for the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Study. I'm Pastor Troy Bond. Pastor Alex Hill. Thank you so much. Get into God's Word. God will get into uh, to you. God bless you and have a great day in Jesus. Praise the Lord. So are you guys getting anything out of that? You have to type it because we don't have a speaker turned on. So I can turn one on. Hallelujah. Raven Deb. Raven Deb. Raven Deb.